uh, yeah, but so we can start. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, I'm based out in the UK and, and, and a lot of our, our viewers are international, you know, around Europe, around Asia, uh, Af um, Nigeria, Africa, and, and some in North America. So we always like to ask our guests, you know, where you were sort of born and raised so that we can get a geographic understanding of, of, of where you started off. All right. I was born in Oklahoma City. Okay. I was raised in Oklahoma. My grandparents had a little cabin off the lake, uh, Lake Eufaula. So I spent my summers and all my vacations. And that was my safe place and where I went to have fun, swim, ride my four-wheeler, do all that. And then I lived in Oklahoma City and just went to, you know, elementary, middle school and high school here. And it wasn't until couple years before we got our deal that I moved out to the east coast I've lived on both coasts okay. but I was born raised I'm an Okie I was okay, born in Okie okay. are you are you a Sooner a Sooner I, I love the Sooners <laughs> yeah okay okay I had a very close friend um who was from Oklahoma and uh and and introduced me to Oklahoma the Sooner so yeah that's how I knew about it that's the uh, only time watch uh football i mean I, I love football don't get me wrong but yeah. i never sooner's game I'm, you okay. know and my my neighbor's got flags on his car and oh, car for games, so there's some hardcore sooner fans here yeah they were kind of, and went through some things this year but <laughs> it'll be next year okay and and so um when you grew up what 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 what, what was it that you were really interested in and passionate about as a kid of course, what I was passionate about was passionate about was uh, music. That was just another escape for me. I kind of there were there was some uh, how can I say uh, there was a little turmoil, a little turbulence going on when I was young. Uh, a couple of stepdads, um, and one of them was quite. Can I ask? I know we're pre-recording this, but I don't know if you want to get into like the fun stuff or if you want me to get into the real stuff or a little of both. You know, it's it just it's it's a, as you go. I mean, I, I I don't hold anything back. So as you go, it's it's, it's a pretty much like a, a, your story, how you yeah. got into me. Yeah, your story. So okay. Yeah. So I was a, a chubby little kid. Um, I played football myself. Okay. And. Um, uh, music, though, was my love. I mean, from the time I was little, little, I'm singing all the little, you know, theme songs for television shows and singing commercials. And I was just, anytime I heard a melody, I wanted to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, uh, just really infatuated with music. And again, to use those words, it was my safe place. Okay. Um, I'd throw headphones on and it would just take me to where I wanted to go and be, um, because I didn't know a lot of kids moving around. It wasn't until high school that I stayed in one spot yeah. for a long time, even through junior high and high school. I'm living in one place for a month, I mean, a year and a half or two, and then moving to another place. You know, so I just kind of bounced around. So I always just put myself in my music. And um, that's, I guess, in the seventh grade, we met Mr. Calvin at Webster Middle School. And uh, I tried out to be in the chorus because it was supposed to be only eighth graders and I was a seventh grader. Yeah. So he tried me out. My mother was up there and um, he came up to me and then he looked at my mom. He grabbed my hand and said, this kid is a superstar. Wow. And I'll never forget it. He was like, this kid is a superstar. He's, a, he's like, you're going to be a superstar. I wow. swear that said to me. And I'm not saying that like, wow, I was just that talented back then. That's not what I mean. What I mean yeah. is, 
he was a great teacher for yeah. one Two, he put confidence in me that I didn't have. Wow. So really seventh grade when I met, I mean, I can't make that up. That's, that's the truth. When I met yeah. Mr. Kelly middle school and, and he started, I mean, this guy, he was the director of the choir. Yeah. Uh, we would do songs together like Ebony and Ivory for like shows that wow. they put on at school. And usually the teacher didn't do duets, you know, so he was very dramatic guy. Yeah. Great singer. And he just, he pushed me in a direction that made me want to chase that dream. What were you listening to back back in those early days? What I mean, who who would you say you you were listening to that was that was out? Very eclectic. Okay, so I was listening to Al Green. I was okay. listening to, um, I was listening to Journey. Wow. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. My favorite group of all times is the Commodores, oh, and wow. my favorite one of my favorite vocalists from a band is Lionel Richie. He's He's a genius, man, and he yeah. writes write songs. Um, huge Donny Hathaway fan. People, I, I, I love people that put their passion and their spirit into their music. Anybody can yeah. just sing riffs and, you know, sing a song and not really focus on the words and what you're saying. Yeah. But if, a, if an artist could make me believe every word that they're saying, yeah. happened, then I was hooked. So yeah. that's what I tried to do is study people. I loved ballads and slower songs. Of course, Michael Jackson and Prince. By the time yeah. I was, in, okay, so fifth grade, I'm listening to Kiss. Okay. A bunch of listening to Kiss. So I'm listening to this, I was made for loving you, baby. Just rock. You know what I'm saying? And then I get into junior high and I start wanting to listen. I mean, of course, I listened to Michael Jackson, but Michael, Prince, like it was all over the place. Yeah. There was even some country in there. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that because I know Oklahoma is in, in, in the South. Was country music not an influence? Well, okay, yes, in, 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 a, in a spiritual way, because when I went to see my grandparents in the summers and uh, on vacations, it yeah. was in church and, the, and, and usually the hymns because I was raised Church of Christ. And so we didn't use instruments in the churches. It was just about all about your vocals, which wow. is another helped me to vocal focus on vocals but it was very bluegrass like okay. old old school country okay so, in fact if i liked any country at all it was like the way back kind wow okay and so when you get into you get into middle school and you get in did you get confidence by singing which 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 your which your choir teacher uh I started going to uh, to contests, you know, oh. junior, junior highs and high schools, the choruses and the bands have contests at certain times a year where they battle all the other bands in the state and wow. then you know, vocalists and just musicians and stuff. And so he started taking me and the chorus to like every contest there was, like state contests is what mm. they were. Um, and I won some of those contests. You know, you rate from a one to a four, I think. And I got a one. I got a one every time, honestly. Wow. And, and I would learn Italian songs. I would learn um, old black spirituals, like just really passionate kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I, I, I poured myself into that. And when I started winning some of these contests that I would have never entered, if not for Mr. Calvin, yeah. uh, I, I probably would have never had that opportunity. But to to get a perfect score 
started making me think, you know, I'm insecure in a lot of areas, but by the time I was 12, 13 years old, I thought I had something. I'm like, if I have anything, it's, it's vocals. So uh -huh. that became my obsession. So then when it came to vocals, I mean, once again, I'm leaving a few people out. Freddie Jackson, man. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. Rock with me tonight, like mm. Jackson, Luther, um, just crooners, um, Jeffrey Osborne. Mm. I don't know them. Yeah, Jeffrey, um, yeah, James Ingram, those kinds of, yeah. The Manhattans love the Manhattans. Mm. Those dudes that can really sing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, but you're saying that by the, by the time you got to, you were about, you became a teenager, you, you started to recognize, okay, actually, I, I do have something in here. Did you ever think about actually making a career of it, or was it just good, like, like a hobby while in school? Early on, um, what my plan was, because I was taking e uh, uh, music theory classes, I was, I was taking, I took as many classes that were related to music as I could. I was in band and chorus and another uh, like music theory class at one time, which was just too much. Yeah. Um, but I would, uh, I just, what's the question again? I forgot. No, when you actually thought that actually this is, I'm, I'm actually good, I'm winning contests, I'm getting good scores. I could make a career out of this. Was that ever I, the case? Yes, well, but, but I wanted to, to go to college Okay. I wanted to, I wanted to do opera music. That's oh. really started, you know. And um, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't. I had confidence, but I thought if that didn't work, maybe a music teacher. I knew it was going to be something that had to do to with do music. music. Okay. So I'll that. And um, it wasn't until my first year of high school, when I walked up and met one of the other guys that was in my band. Um, who was a musician as well. There was a talent show coming up. So we mm -hmm. kind of hit it off. And instead of going against each other, we teamed up, put a couple other guys in the group. Now, when I came from Webster Junior High, I knew Kevin. So Kevin was in the group. We went on to high school together and all four of us went to high school together. Okay. So, yeah. And so when, from the time we did our first talent show, uh, that's when I had the bug and I was like, I'm never going to want to do anything else but this again, because I, I wasn't, the, the crowd, the whole school went nuts. Just ah, like yeah. it was, and all we were doing was singing that old Levi's song, you know, throw on some Levi's jackets and some shades and <laughs> feed Anna. so uh, the harmonies and the vocals, we started going to other high schools and doing talent shows and um Actually, before we started doing them, I was doing them because we hadn't become an official group. We just got together to sing at a talent mm -hmm. show. Yeah. And we were still doing our own things. And I was, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Basically, it, I felt like that was my time to shine. I was invisible because I was a really big kid. People don't know I weighed close to 400 pounds in my junior year of high school. Wow. When they, any guy in the group, yeah. Any lead vocalist in this group. In here, I was this chubby kid who was insecure. I'm confident in my music and my voice, but as far as relationships and lots of friends and, you know, that kind of stuff, I was kind of to myself, mm -hmm. except the other guys once we got together. And it was because what we had in common was the music. So yeah. 
any opportunity during school year, summer, arts festivals, if I could get in a show and sing, and, I, and I, 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 it's hard to explain. I didn't really, I didn't want, it wasn't because it was vain to me. It was like, I, I want people to like really flip out on my vocals. It was how I felt when I just let it out. When you're up there in the element and, and listening to the music, whether it be a band or background track, that's you're in another world. Yeah. And it's all about the lyrics and what you're doing at that time. And just still to this day, I'm 52 years old and I still write music. And there's nothing like writing and recording and singing and then listening to your ideas that were in your head back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd say from high school, that's when I really, I just, I knew, I knew I was going to try. I didn't know I was going to be a star, but I knew I was sure going to give it my best shot. I mean, but by that time when you, when you guys, you know, you, cause, um, it is, it is, it is, I remember speaking to uh, Joe Little from the Root Boys and, and, and I said, you know, you'd always wanted to be a solo artist and, and then you get the opportunity to join a group that seems like a very different type of direction to take. Were you always looking to go solo and then the opportunity with, with the other three to form a group come about or did you, what did you feel as if actually the way I feel about myself, confidence, mm -hmm being part of a group actually can be a way of protecting myself. Was the, what, what was your decision-making then? I was trying to do a lot of things on my own, but when we graduated high school, actually the year we graduated, no, our junior year, we met Cool in the Game. So we sang for them. We still, by then, we're out of high school, so we're not together every day. Or, wait a minute, I just said junior high. No, <laughs> let me get this straight. Okay, sorry. My junior year of high school, we met Cool in the Gang. Wow. They took our numbers down. They started calling us. They said wow. they wanted to make And so for the last two years of high school, they would fly us to New York, pay for the flights, put us up, and record. And they were, you know, they met with our parents. Our parents were like, they need to be in school. They're chasing some kind of dream that ain't going to happen. And these guys said, if you just let us work with them, it is going to happen. Something is going to happen with these guys. And so they just said, let them finish high school and then they can do what they want. So Kevin was going to college and kind of trying to do his own thing. So I'm still going out and doing some things on my own as well. But when we moved together, when, when, cool, when Adele from Cool and the Gang, uh, just the whole group um, asked us to move up there that's when I knew it was going to be a group thing, but it's a funny thing you mentioned in solo. I actually, one of the last times that I did something on my own was when the management company flew me out. So they flew me out and they told me that it was to redo some vocals and that's not what it was. What it was, was they had set up an appointment with Andre Harrell. Do you know who Andre Harrell is? Oh yeah, Mr. Uptown, yes. Uptown, I mean, Joe to see. Yeah, Mary. yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's when they were hot. That's when all those groups had records out. And I was a fan, a huge fan of Joe to see. Yeah. So um, I went and I met with this guy and he said, I don't want to sign the group. I want to sign you. And I said, I, can't, I don't want to do it without my guys. He said, well, then they can be on the record, but it's going to be your face on the front of the record. He wanted to change my name to Brian Parks, which I think is kind of, I mean, 
he's he's pretty legendary now, man. You know, I mean, he he picked some great ones and he built and put together some great ones, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do that. At that time, I had become such a part of this group of guys that I had known from junior high up that I just I couldn't do it. I didn't I didn't want to do it. And I wasn't disappointed. I was scared because then I had to wonder if we were going to all do it. You know, were we going to actually make it or should I did I make a bad decision in my heart? I don't think I did. I think I made the right decision. So was, was this more so because um, did the group become a family and, and you didn't want to turn your back on the family uh, because a lot of people would um, would give their right arm to say, okay, guys, you know, I'll, I'll make it big and then I'll feature you guys and help you guys later on. But you, you were really, especially with the pressure of being in New York and, and you know, Uptown Records, which, as you said, had Guy, was- had Heavy D and the boys, had... At Mary, you know, they, you know, Federal MC, they had. I'm from Oklahoma. So being up there in the city. Yeah. In Gray Harrell's office and singing in his office, he was asking me to sing stuff. He said, I want you to be the next I'll be. I'm not making this up. And I'm just wigging out. I'm freaking out. And I said, I just, I don't know. Can I think about it? And, and it was because I was scared to death. And it was family. My heart just could not make that choice I just couldn't do it and the reason is when I was young I had some really kind of uh I I can't find my words right now um my home life was kind of crazy Mm. except I was with my grandparents who were very safe people Mm. Uh, awesome grandmother awesome grandfather Mm. but because I had kind of my father was killed when I was two so raised by my mother who was married three times by the time I was 13 so I went through a couple of stepdads. I'm not trying to, to badmouth anyone. I'm just saying I was a kid who was dealing with a lot of stuff that he shouldn't have had to deal with at that age. Yeah. Uh, and so when I became friends with these guys, that was my family. Mm. You know? when, you got, when you got back from New York and, and told, well, actually, I think before you told them, what was the reaction from, you know, Cool and the gang? I mean, they've pretty much set you up for this deal and and you sort of said no how did they did they feel like you let them down no they, they did i feel like i let them down no did they did they feel let down by the fact that they they set this thing up for you and you you, t- you said no they were angry for a little while yeah they were, but i mean the cool thing was is i think they had to admire that decision because it wasn't an easy decision to make. And they also knew that if we were that loyal to one another, we were going to stay together and not be one of these groups that just pop off and split up and yeah. you know what I'm saying? So there was good things about it, but they were angry for a little while. How, you know, how, they, sorry. No, how, did, how about the, the, the guys when you told them what happened, how did they take? Did I even tell them right away? I think it took me a few weeks to even really, I was scared to even tell them about it. I don't know why, but I just, I didn't ever want to say or do anything uh, that would hurt someone's feelings or make them angry at me. Give them. I wanted people to like me because Mm -hmm. I was this big chubby kid in school that didn't have a lot of friends. So I was afraid to make decisions that would cause uh, friction. Yeah, yeah. But um, we just, we kind of made the decision then 
that we were going to stick together and we were going to do it together, you know. Around the time when you guys, uh, after you turned this down, um, was this around 89? I mean, who was, who was around um, that you, that were singing like you guys? Because this is pre-Boys to Men. So who was, who was around that you could look at and say, okay, they're, they're actually, um, either you're modeling yourselves after, after or, or sounded like you guys? We were, we listened to Troop a lot. Troop oh. was out. Yes, they, dan they danced, and so we would learn their steps and okay. sing their song. It's late at night, I hear the rain outside my window pane. We loved doing troop stuff, uh, okay. that talent. Um, also, I think Jodeci had come out and done something with uh, Brenda. Brenda's having a baby or something like that. I, right when we moved to New York, that was when Jodeci and Mary J, Al B, Heavy D. I mean, it was that that was like the epitome of the 90s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just an awesome thing to be a part of it. Working on our own album and bumping into Jodeci, like hanging out, Casey and JoJo talking to him. Um, it was it was really cool. It was really cool to meet some of these people and be an Oklahoma kid who had never been out of his own state <laughs> yeah. and still pretty much a teenager in New York City, living there and meeting all these people that you watched on TV and listened to on the radio. Bobby Brown, okay, I'm leaving this out. The group that inspired us to be a group was New Edition. Okay. New Edition was that group. And so we did a lot of their stuff at talent shows too. Uh, I loved Ralph Tresvant. Uh, I'm a Scorpio like Ronnie. So, oh, here's the crazy thing. So this group is uh, the group that we were like, this is who we want to be like. When yeah, we grow. yeah. They're not much older than us. And Bobby Brown's record, by the way, was, I, I, I wore out every song on that first record. That he, <laughs> don't be cruel. Um, our very first tour was the Club MTV tour. And it was with no, Bell Yeah, so they were doing that. Girl is poison. They were doing that. <laughs> so imagine how a kid feels. You're trying to take this in and you're a fan, but you're also getting out on that stage and performing on the same stage with these people. It was really surreal, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I noticed that um, you got signed by Cassandra Mills, who was head of, head of Giant Records and she discovered Jade um, at, 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 um, at the same time. I think Hammer was on your label at, at that time. Uh, I just talked to Sandra Mills yesterday. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so funny. I just got a song that I wrote, uh, my first single actually, it's called Because of You. It's It was placed in a movie. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, For the Love of Money. It's got um cat stevens in it it's got keith sweat it's supposed i haven't seen the movie yet honestly um okay but i got a song placed in this movie and she's the one that helped me melvin childs he's from here in oklahoma i think uh, i've seen chris said promote the the movie and i didn't understand why so he must have had a okay you so that's probably the, the connection I, I saw him promoting the film you know on his on his social media and i'm thinking why is yeah. he doing that and i that's so because he has a song place like yourself. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I love I'm, of I'm, money. 
there. And so that was my first, my literal first debut solo single. And wow. it was placed on a movie soundtrack. Exactly. Here's the crazy thing of the whole deal. Cassandra Mills signed us. Okay. She's the one that signed us to Giant Records. Uh, and all these years later, and I've talked to her maybe five times in 25 years, but lately because of that song, she's the one that got us on uh, the New Jack City soundtrack. So now I'm doing a solo deal at 52 years old. And guess who signs me my first movie soundtrack deal? <laughs> the, same, the same woman. And I'm like, got all the stars lining up and saying, man, you need to get ready. You need to be ready. Yeah. Whatever happens, um, I don't believe in coincidence at all. Yeah. Just makes me want to focus more. Yeah. So that was really interesting. And it wasn't like we were looking for each other. I didn't know who was putting the soundtrack together. I just had Melvin Childs approach me and say, hey, man, I'd like to put one of your songs uh, on in the movie. And so uh, that was pretty amazing, man. That's yeah. kind of what. No, and 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 and, and uh, later on we we will talk about you know um, your music and 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 what we can expect from you. The um, one of the things that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks has been just showcasing over one hundred and twenty movie soundtracks from the eighties, sorry, from the nineties, um, and and New Jack City was probably one of my favorites because it had. It was, you know, it troop were on there. It had Guy because I was a big Teddy Riley fan. So, oh my God! It, it, it had Levert. It, it it had Christopher Williams. I see. I mean, it was. It's 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 one of our. I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Like, it, but Keith Sweat. There yeah. was a bunch of artists on that record. Yeah. And going to release our song as a single. Not even going to release it. It was just on the album, and we were good with that. I'm like, we're on this record with these people. Are you kidding me? I don't care if it comes out or not. Well, how did you feel about recording when you got Spy uh, Freeze, Dr. Freeze? Because from Spider-Man, you know, in case people don't know, Dr. Freeze did Poison, um, So, and he was his partners, Spider-Man and Freeze. Mm -hmm. um, they also did um, Hit Me Off by New Edition. But when they, when they presented a single to you, what did you guys think of, of it at first? Or what we did loved, you think? Okay. I loved it. We loved it. And the reason was because it had old 50s and 60s chords in it. It mm. had like a retro kind of sound, but kind of new and fresh. And so hip-hop doo-wop is what we considered our, our sound. I mean, it was basically like street vocals singing doo-wop and throwing some drums on it, you yeah. know? Uh, so we were excited. Uh, Chris turned it down. Somebody else turned it down too. I can't remember who, but a couple people turned that song down. They offered it. They said, Bel they said Bell Biff DeVoe when they were doing the poison, they, they turned it down. Yeah. And so we heard it. We were just excited because of we were new edition fans and Bell Biff DeVoe fans. And this is who made those, made Bell Biff DeVoe blew them up. Those first yeah. couple of songs, Dr. Freeze and Spider Man. So um, we were excited. Did it catch you by surprise how quickly the song took off? Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, we went to the premiere of the movie, and Aaron Hall is the one that drove us because none of us had cars. Just a nasty man himself. Aaron came and picked us up. He had wow. a big wheel back of his Jeep, you know, when they have the big wheels. Yeah. And he had 
face like graffiti so he's got his own face oh my on his goodness. he comes and picks us up and on the way there i i am very serious on the way there we're all kind of joking he was crazy like we are and um had the windows down and we start hearing boom and I'm like, that's our song. So we're rolling down the window. And so we're acting like idiots. That's <laughs> us. And people have never seen us. We had never put anything out. Yet. Yeah, yeah. It was already bumping in the streets before we even saw the premiere. That's how fast. They said that record caught on really fast. And it got so many radio requests that they just decided to release it as a single. So they release it as a single. And then a little while after that, they pull our single. We, had, we hadn't had an album out yet, but Giant pulled our single because they wanted to sell more New Jack City records. Okay. Now, what we were told, we, we need to sell more of these records. So we're gonna pull this single for a while. That's why there's different pictures. Mm. You know, there was the first one with the, Skyline and No Faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sold a bunch more New Jack City records. Then they put it out again. Okay. And then had Faces. And so. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, no, I mean, it, it, it was my first movie soundtrack that I did by. Now, at the time it came out, I was going to boarding school in Nigeria. So, because sometimes I do these interviews and, you know, I, I went to college in the US and I'm here in the UK, and it's quite easy to think, okay, when a song is big in the US. But when I try and remind my guests that sometimes when I heard a track, especially late 80s and early 90s, I was still in, going to high school in Nigeria. And when a track becomes that big and crosses over internationally, and this is pre-internet and pre-social media, so it has to be a really powerful, a big song to for us to be hearing it in Nigeria. So... I do remember it being and say, wow, this is uh, quite different, you know, um, you know, it's, and I guess it's, you know, because, it, you know, we had Luke and Two Life Crew having their own little litigations and then you're saying, I want to sex you up. And that was quite rare for an R&B song, a mainstream R&B song to be singing yeah. on that and stuff. Um, did you, and, and, I, and I wonder how much of that controversy made a difference in, in this, you know, because of the, the song, yeah. the lyrics, how much do you think it made a difference in how quickly it caught on? We, we were Christian boys. Okay. And when I, I don't mean it lightly, like we were a little overboard even in school. Okay. So we were praying before Kevin and Sam carried Bibles around with them at school. No, <laughs> no joke. And we pray before meals we would pray before performances, joining hands and just, you know, Father, help us, you know, give, give our best and watch over us, help us to not make any mistakes and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so imagine those kind of boys who are still pretty innocent. We, we weren't the party. We weren't the jocks. We didn't go and party and hang out and we weren't really exposed to the real big, you know, life in general. Mm. So when that song... It excited us a lot because we were told it was to a scene. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I, I was a little worried, honestly. I was really excited, but I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach because we had always, in our prayers, 
said we were giving our word that if we ever got blessed with an opportunity like that, we were going to do the right thing with it. We weren't going to let it go to our. We're going to, and then here we are. The very first song we're putting out is I'm struck down by lightning before it hit. <laughs> How did you guys balance that though? Because as I said, I've heard um, other, other, you know, because a lot of the sort of black R&B acts come from church. And, and, and when they become and they get into R&B and they are singing a little bit you know, more risque songs, which seems to sort of be different from what they were used to. Um, but how did you guys balance that out? Like, OK, here's a song. Um, and and, and, and it, it, did, you, did, you, did you separate yourselves from it or was it a really hard battle? We just we kept in our minds and continued to tell people that it was written for a movie. It's not really what we would have come out okay. uh, out of the and risque like that, but it was written for a particular part of a movie for one. Another really interesting thing is our management company, Good Management, they were family with Cool and the Gang, like all these guys, tons of them everywhere. They got a big crew, like Cool, East, Ronald Bell, like there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And they converted to Muslim when they were young. And so we come as Christian boys and we would pray with them and we would talk with them. And that's when it kind of, we broadened our minds a little bit and it was like, okay, there's, we all agree there's only one God, but he falls under a lot of different names. You can't be on all these different parts of the planet hmm. and not meeting and still say there's someone out there or something, however, you know, people want to put it, yeah. but it kind of, in our minds a little bit and that put us at ease too because you know our own management company who they always you know made sure that they did uh ramadan i don't i don't remember a lot about it but they yeah you know and that sort of thing yeah. so i thought we're in good hands you know we've okay. got some that are representing us and they wouldn't steer us wrong you know okay now the, the you know I, and it, it's interesting because i've probably done almost 50 uh, interviews uh, with with acts um from the from the 90s and and you mentioned your management company and and i do wonder when you when you were getting into the industry did you did you guys go with any knowledge about the music industry and the business side of music and, you know so you know you you guys are talented singers but then it is an industry that that has you know publishing and money and, and royalties and everything uh, how much of that did you know beforehand and learn about and no, we knew nothing <laughs> and till we met luther and luther was like yo it's it's uh 100 um it, it he loved the music business but he said it's about 10 percent talent and vocals and 90 percent politics and music and that was kind of threw us off a little bit. We, we had no idea how things worked back then. And I think we made a mistake by just letting our management handle it and not teach us the business as we went along because we were all new. Yeah. So we, 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 we just trusted them. And, you know, we, we clashed and we moved on to other management companies. But I still talked to to my manager Adele, Miles has passed away, but Adele being in is is uh, he's still family to me. You know what I'm saying? That, mm. And it's because of what he said because we felt like we were done wrong in a few places that we didn't agree. Like, why didn't y'all tell us this was going on or that was going on? He said, "You were my first group. I really didn't know what I was doing either." Oh. And as I went along, and that struck me as just being really honest. You know? Yeah. 
So, how long did know, it take before you learned? Because you know, did you before you understood about all the points and only? Uh, yesterday, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that I'm just in the last. Seriously, maybe in the le since I got sober, put it that way. I'm. I'm. I, in a few months, I'll be. I will have been sober for three years, wow. and so I got sober. I started having to be responsible, which kind of sucks a little bit. <laughs> but attention to my to my business and my music, and my wife. She is a very intelligent woman, mm. and she is learning a lot about the business and teaching me. And so um, we're kind of a team. Uh, a lot of stuff to straighten out royalty wise. There's a lot of things to straighten out. I will say we were really naive and we made a mistake by not paying attention to your business. That would be one of the first things we would tell a young artist coming out, pay attention to your, you know, your business. Yeah. It, you know, and it, and it, it is something that, uh, you know, every one of my guests have said, um, that in the 90s, it, it, you know, even I interviewed Dalvin from Jodeci yeah. and, I, and, and I asked him, how much of the business did you know? And he said, zero, you know, that's, you know, all they were doing is making the music. And then they realized, <laughs> OK, we're making all this music. Everyone, we're, we're selling out everywhere, but our bank accounts aren't on reflecting our success. That was us, too. That was us, too. We wonder we lived on the road. We did shows you know, at least four nights a week. Most of the time it was five nights a week. We were either on a bus or a plane and we were, you know, I, I, we were away from home for over two years, just touring everywhere. And we started wondering the same things. And that's why at the end, we ended up having to have some, some receipts checked out and stuff like that on the road. We thought it was a little little unnecessary when we found out our tour manager was living in the presidential suite. At every and this guy had jewelry dripping and fur coat <laughs> and Charlie Stone. And he was a funny guy, but he was also kind of sneaky. And let's just say that very first tour that we did, uh, the very first look into it was $3,000 or $300,000 that had not been accounted for, that just kind of disappeared into the wind. And so if it was the presidential suites or somebody the money was not going all to us it was going to management first and then us an accountant tried to sit down with me invited me to lunch he, he, he represented the whole group and our management company introduced us to him because he did cool in the gangs <laughs> okay he, he tells me brian you need to pay attention to your business and i think he was trying to tell me like what you're saying now like there's some things going on you need to you need to pay attention to. And he had this meeting with me and I went back and told the guys. And then one of them told my management company that that uh, he he told me I needed to pay attention and they fired him. Oh. And then so sneaky, sneaky stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, in that business, if you don't pay attention, you're gonna get got, you know. Yeah, but you know, one of the things that, um, you know, and, 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 and one of the things that we've learned that it, it, it is not something that we can blame you guys, because as much as you can reflect on it now, none of us understand what it's like at 17, 18 to be thrust in front of the world, 
your, your, your core love is to sing and perform and entertain. And there's also hope that you have people who are going to be taking care of the, of the money and the taxes and all that stuff. And you don't have to because you it's it's a quite a I can I can imagine how challenging it can be to have to be on stage to sing, then have to go check your bank accounts and check your all this stuff. So you gotta make, yeah, you gotta make sure that these people that you have that are working on your behalf have documentation to show where everything is coming in from and where it's going. We didn't know that. You yeah. you've got to pay into the people that are working for you. But when you're young and you just wanted, you know, a record deal, yeah. you know, that's, but now in a, in a perfect world, if you've got family or you've got people that work with you that you can trust, yeah. we looked at, hey, Ace, he plays keys and guitar. He does his thing. He stays in his lane. I had what I had and I stayed in my lane. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we just thought we could trust one another and we trusted our management team and our accountants the most. And years after that, uh, Vernon Brown, I don't know if you've heard that name before, but he was an accountant and he sold all of us million dollar life insurance policies that never existed, but we were paying lots of money for. And there was a, a class action lawsuit against that guy. That's the kind of people, kind of accountants that we were being introduced to oh, and, and repeatedly one after another. Yeah. So he's off. He was our, you know, he was the big dog. You know, he represents the Eagles. He's the one that owned and ran Giant Records. And there's books out about him. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, and as I said, that's always the sad part of the industry that the our audience have, have really had to really take with sadness because we never knew. Because as fans, all we see is when you see guys in music videos, we see you guys on, on stage and in, on tour. And you guys always seem happy. So to us, everything's fine. It's not until left that the TLC at the Grammys said, oh, we're broke. We've just sold 10 million that we were like, what? That doesn't make sense. And we, and we, we wanted to follow the footsteps. When that happened, yeah, we told ourselves, because we talked to them. We've done shows and toured with them as well. And um, we actually sang some songs together on one of the Jack, um, Jermaine Jackson album is when I met them and um, when they did that I think they did it not just to to get out of a bunch of situations but to get away from that record label or whatever it was that they there was something they were trying to do that was more yeah, than just managed, their, their management company yeah yeah and so we wanted to do the same thing or I shouldn't say we I'm sorry I wanted to do that I yeah. was like that we should do because we're in some, you know, there were loans being taken out from the record label that we were paying back that we knew nothing about. Hmm. $300,000 here, a couple hundred, 150000 like loans that people weren't telling us they were taking from the labels. Hmm. We had to pay those back out of our royalties. Like that kind of stuff is nuts. The one good thing about it, it's good to know. Well, it's kind of a bittersweet thing that we weren't the only ones going through it. Um, you know, James Brown, some of these other cats out there that, that um, gave their all and really never saw any of their money until after. I'm hoping and praying for that kind of day to come for some of these people in the 90s. And it's because I think the 90s was a, was a really unique era. Yeah. It was, it was colorblind. 
didn't matter what color you were, where you were from. Yeah. If you had a, hey, let me hear it. Let's party. Let's let's hang out. To you know, it it didn't matter. Music like joined everyone back then. Yeah. Like it was about having fun. It wasn't talking yeah. about how much I got and how much stuff I can sling. And you know what I'm saying? It was was just really good music. Yeah. And I'd like to see those people get treated right. You know, like see some of that money. Yeah, you know, as I said, most of the uh, most of the '90s artists that we've spoken to have said the same thing. In fact, One Twelve said, "Hey, it was it was if you in the '90s, it was pretty much part of the deal that you get you you, you get taken advantage of and and stuff and and learning yeah. the, and which is not which is not great. But for us, it it was it, it was shocking because, as I said, if you played football or baseball or basketball." You, you sign a contract and, and, and your team doesn't take your salary. They pay your salary, take care of you mm -hmm. so you can perform. Um, it's only the, the music industry where they, uh, they, don't treat, they, yeah, they don't treat you the same with the same dignity and stuff. You know what? The, nice, the nicest car I drove after we got our deal and started our tour, and I, I thought I was big dog, was a Grand Cherokee. <laughs> I had a Grand Cherokee, and I was good. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until things started happening, like uh, MTV Cribs and the car shows when people are showing off the stuff they have, and yeah. you're comparing record sales with this group or this uh, artist with your record sales, and going, "I never could afford that house. Why? Yeah. What's going on? Like something's going." And it's hard. It's really hard. Oh, so, and, and still straightening it out. But the good news is is that we are closer than ever okay. to uh, just pull the trigger on everything and expose some things, at least in our circle. And I think it might be something that helps some other people from that time. You yeah. know what I'm saying? For years, we worked on it. Yeah. So, I mean, after, um, you know, you come out with um, um, Sex You Up and it, um, it, it blows up. Now, was there an issue with Betty Wright? Did she did she come after you guys saying that you took us? I did, I think she came after us originally, but she had to go back after uh, Doctor Freeze okay, because Doctor he... sampled her record and not told us he sampled the record. <laughs> okay, okay. No, there was a sample from her until the lawsuit papers came. We were like, "What? <laughs> tell us, you know?" But guess who had to pay that bill? We did. What? Yeah. Yep. We had to pay for that to get straightened out, but we didn't do it. Wow. Just craziness, man. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know, then you, you, but did you guys write anything on your first album? Uh, yes. There was, what there? I think. I'm sure. Yeah. I Adore Me and More. Um, okay. Part of Sex You Up. We have credits on Sex You Up for writers too. He didn't produce and write the entire record there was lyrics and melodies and things that we added we were writing songs all for love we wrote i adore we wrote um uh gosh i can't think of all the songs but yeah i'd say about half of that album was songs that we wrote okay did you, you know. did you did, did you wish you had more time to do the album oh my gosh yeah yeah we had we put that single out and it took off so big that they told us that we had two weeks to finish an album. Two weeks? Two weeks we finished. Half of those songs on that record are demos. Like, go in, throw something down. I promise, Cassandra was like, 
I was in tears, man, because they were going to take this and use it. And I said, I was told these were scratch vocals. And I was told that this is what was going to be put on here. And Cassandra's like, that's exactly what it is, sweetie. We're going to have you come back in. <laughs> and we're going to have you re-sing the song. And that never happened. But I'm not complaining. You know, maybe they know better than us. But that was pretty scary because I didn't even, we wrote our version to what we had. And then Freeze his version we used a hook that was his and then we wrote verses for it and he wrote verses for it he was late to the studio that night so cassandra said get in there and do y'alls before he gets here so we went in there and and, and ours was the hey beautiful lady one mm. uh and so yeah it's funny because both of those records we get royalties from and they're both circulating both of those records wow. so eventually i had to just combine the Hey Beautiful Lady version with the first verse and then the, you know, the second from the other. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of confusing, but it was a fun time. Two weeks, man. Wow. Two I mean, I mean, as I said, when, when you have a very hot record, people are then looking at what's next. And as I said, um, you, with the New Jack City soundtrack blown up, you then need to bring, put your own stuff out because people are looking for um, and I think what you guys did have that sort of helped us also was the um, new kids on the block effect because it's always impressive when 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 R&B is sung by non-blacks because you 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 are able to reach a wider demographic and yeah. sell a lot more records. You know, new kids also new edition, even though you know new, new edition. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, please don't go, girl. But before Please Don't Go Girl was Is This the End, which was New Edition. Yeah. And they're basically the same song. Yeah. You know, they're basically the same song. Um, to me, the melodies are like way, way close. Is this the end? Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I'm just getting over, by the way. Um, co I, I, I'm pretty positive I had COVID. Mm. Me and my whole family were really sick. And this is just my second day of being back in the land of the living. So wow. I'm still raspy and Yeah, dingy. no, no, no. It's bad. And I appreciate the fact that you, you, you stayed in and, and, and stuff. And um, it's the first album, you know, you know, you guys sell, you know, over 10 million worldwide and stuff. And then you have to come back and do the sophomore album. And in, in, in any circle, especially in the mid 90s, there was always, there was, there was, um, there was a shift in, in a way with the with the music, you know, vocally, the, the vocals leads weren't as popular as the actual production. It was very much producer centric. How did you find going back in the studio, coming out with your second album and not see it have the effect that your first album had? We didn't know what to do. We felt a shift in music changing mm. things were harder you know cube was doing his stuff friday had been out i think yeah and, west um, coast and that the whole death row so records and stuff yeah we we wanted to we loved that music that's what we grew up listening to all of all of the stuff uh that we were in the middle of was what we listened to the the bad thing or or the what we should have been more careful about because we went from sex you up to I Adore, to All For Love. And All For Love to me is about as pop of a record as <laughs> it. 
Like I hated singing that song for years. I love it now because I've sampled Ohio players and put it in there. Thick how it sounds. It's a lot more hip hop, but I just thought that song is too pop. I felt the label wanted to dumb us down a little bit. Like there was singing that we wanted to do that I wanted to do that they had to tell me that, you know, we don't need all the riffs, just sing straight notes. And, and it was because they were trying to make us pop. Mm. But then when I started going left, they wanted us to have Ice Cube direct our, our video for time and chance and go, you know, go out in the middle of gangland. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was a, a challenging, it was quite fast paced the way the 90s really changed. I mean, you had on one side, the girl groups like Jade and SWV and Brownstone, you know, really strong vocals with, 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 the, with the production. And then yeah. you had Boys to Men who, who, who went from New Jack, then they did more adult contemporary type of music with Face and, and Jimmy and Terry, and they just stayed in, in, in that lane. And then you had Jodeci that were in, in a particular lane with Blackstreet and stuff, which they always started there and they continued to stay there. And then I guess for you guys, like the, as well as All for One and uh, UNMV, it's almost as if, okay, music is shifting. Where do we fit in? Um, did, yeah. did, and, 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 and I don't think Giant, and, and unfortunately Giants itself, they sort of got, got merged and absorbed. So they, they really went around to, uh, to support you guys. Did you feel the label wasn't... Um, as on board as they did in the first album? Yeah, I feel like that first record did what it did because our very first single out of the box was uh, uh, a freak hit. It was a smash, yeah. you know? So, uh, like, they call it a viral record now, I guess. It, but yeah. um, um, So it kind of promoted it. Basically, what promoted that song was New Jack City and how can you lose with a budget? You know they're putting a budget behind that that uh movie yeah and if uh, the hottest or a very hot single we just thought we were an album cut we we were just happy to be on the record with these guys because we were huge fans mm. ready started playing it i loved it even the changes in music that were happening i was loving it but i didn't really i was still naive i didn't know which way it was gonna is he gonna go this way and stay is it going to go this way and stay, or are we just having fun? And just, mm. I wanted to prove to myself and to anyone that questioned me, because most people considered me white. Um, I'm actually Native American. I'm, I'm Choctaw. Um, don't okay. know if any that, but I'm a literally, I'm, lit, I'm a literal citizen of Choctaw Nation. And so I felt like I wanted to show talent because we were kind of dumbed down on that first record so Pooh, dj Pooh came in who did ice cube stuff and in my opinion that's some of the best stuff we did too there were some really cool records in there but we were doing really r&b stuff really hip-hop stuff and then somewhere in the record you're hearing really pop stuff i think the mistake with us was it was just too eclectic mm. we needed to sound and kind of mesh them together which is what sex you up and all for love were in my opinion all for love was very pop pop melodies on top of hip-hop beats mm. and you know like r&b tracks and songs um but it didn't work for everything and we kind of got lost in the mix because 
that second record, they wanted to just throw it out and see if it stuck. Yeah. You know, there was Bush, we were going and doing shows and fans were saying, when's the album coming out? And we're like, it's out. <laughs> there was a problem. And that's why we went to Sony after that. Yeah. So, I mean, what was the difference? I mean, you, you signed with them. Um, well, you know, Tommy Mottola, one, you know, a very powerful executive. Um, how, what was it? Did you feel as if, yep, you're going to get the right backing? He's got Mariah. He's, he's got Michael. He, you could... he used to, he used to, we would see this guy in restaurants and we'd be with Irvin Azoff. And I remember him telling Irvin, you know, if I had them, they'd have sold double what they did. And they would just laugh, you know. Um, so there was a competition there. And he would tell us when Irvin wasn't around, you know, you, you guys need to come over where I'm at. And he, he just kept saying that. It was just bad timing. And I'll tell you why. This is what's funny. Nobody knows this story, I don't think. Uh, him and Mariah were having problems. Okay. Uh... Loved Mariah. And so he was heartbroken. Um, we wrote that song, Remember When? Wasn't it Remember? I mean, think about this. They're splitting, and he's trying to tell her, Remember When? I could see forever in your eyes. He told us. He'd have us sing that in a restaurant, a cappella. It sounded like crap because it's not one of those kind of songs. But he was just forever saying, that's the single, that's the single, that's the single. And we finally just realized that was, he, he was trying to talk to Mariah because we knew Mariah and went to her parties and stuff like that. And I think he was trying to send her a message. There was no talking him out of putting that first single out. And I think it was the wrong single to put out. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he did lose, he did seem to lose, lose his magic um, uh, um, after a while um, before he, 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 he left the, the label. Okay, so that's probably. I was kinda, it was kind of sad, man. To be honest with you, I think that I don't know what kind of relationship they had, but you could tell he was it rocked his world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and, and yeah, and but and, and I guess it's it's you know when you do have the head of a label saying that they're going to back you, but if they're not, if they're not, if the head isn't in the game, and they can cloud the judgment, when the album didn't do well. Mm -hmm. and Sony says, you know, we're going to cut ties. What was that like for you? Well, um, another thing that I don't think people know is, are you familiar with Ron Sweeney? Do you know who Ron Sweeney is? No. He's a powerful uh, guy in the music business. He, he's uh, an attorney um, slash a lot of other things, management. He's mm -hmm. the, one that, the one that worked on the original Easy e issues when Easy was passing, like literally passing away, and Ron's trying to get his business sorted out before it happens. Um, he's the one that signed us to the label. He was head of the R&B department at Sony when um, Tommy Mottola was there. Yeah. And literally, Ron, when we got signed and we were going up meeting everybody and talking about when we're going to release this record, Ron wasn't there. He was on vacation, we thought. He had already been, Tommy had already let him go. Or, or either that or, or Ron didn't want to come back because the little word in the offices was uh, Ron's not coming back. And then you just started seeing artists get dropped like flies. Like I think they, dro they dropped every one that Ron signed. Wow. And I think that's, um, 
Wow. Those those little decisions can change lives. You know what I'm saying? Um, But I have the way I look at things, honestly, is, you know, our creator lets us go through through things to teach us things. There is no such thing as a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. I just don't. But whatever happened then and then my alcoholism and and then me getting sober, um, if I had gone and done a solo deal, would I have ever been an artist that anybody paid attention to? If I hadn't met my wife, would I be dead or still drunk? Mm. You know, just little decisions, but smart decisions, you know, but when big decisions like that are left in the hands of people who are going through divorce or political things, uh, it's, it's just bad news for the artist. Yeah. But as, as a group, um, after being dropped, did you then decide to part ways or, or, or try and continue um, afterwards? What happened then was we decided, because we had moved on from management, we had actually had, we were on our third, and we were trying to get uh, Johnny Wright. He was meeting with us in the city. Oh, so, and, so in case people don't know, he was the manager of NSYNC. Is that the same Johnny Wright? Blackfoot yeah. Boys and NSYNC and, and mainly with yeah. jo- uh, Justin Timberlake's manager now. Yeah. So um, he, he wanted to sign the group. Kevin had decided he didn't want to be a part anymore. Um, Sam wanted to be a part of the music business, but more on the business. I don't know if everybody just got scared from what happened and didn't think. Mm. I think they, they didn't believe in themselves anymore, maybe. Uh, so then there was just me and Mark. <laughs> And um, Johnny Wright wanted to sign me as a solo artist and let Mark be on it, but not be the main guy. He's like, just like what Andre had said, he's like, he can be on it. Cause I'm like, that's my boy, man, you know? Mm. And so Johnny started flying me out and doing demos and he was gonna sign me as a solo artist. So that was the direction it was supposed to go. But my drinking got in the way. Mm. Yeah, I was depressed. I was used to singing and being around these guys that were my brothers. And now just in a whirlwind, all of a sudden, I'm I'm going from touring and having an album out to being a solo artist working on a new album with new producers I'd never worked with before. I didn't get to work with my Hamza Lee, who still lives in Oklahoma today that I work with. Um, It scared the hell out of me, man. And so, yeah, I got a little out of control with my drink and I got wasted one of those nights in the studio. And... um, um, what's his assistant's name? Bell. Melinda Bell. I, I don't know if you're going to have to cut that out, but Melinda Bell uh, actually told me to go back to the hotel and just try to relax and rest. I told her then she knew and she said she understood. I said I was scared. I was depressed. I didn't mm. know any people. And, um, you know, inside, I'm still this chubby guy that didn't really get much attention unless I was singing on a stage. Yeah. So I was afraid about a lot of things. I was really unsure of my future. And um, I just, I went home after that. I just, I said, I'm not ready. I can't do it yet. And that's all she wrote on that. So, and then for years after that, I continued to drink, but I also continued to work on music. Hmm. I was song after song after song so I've got a lot of songs in uh in the vault I guess is what everybody wants to call it yeah. all the way 
now. I've recorded some songs since I've gotten sober. The group actually got back together a few times. I don't know if you wanted to go there, but in 2010, uh, I had a show offer in Hawaii to go and sing Color Me Bad. They were going to do Brian Abrams, lead vocalist of Color Me Bad, and perform out there with some other artists. All for One was one of them. Um, there were several, several groups out there. Um, mm -hmm. And I called up Mark and asked him if he wanted to go. And of course, as soon as you hear that there's money to be made, he was, down. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he had, he had given up too, pretty much. He gave up. Um, I still wanted to do it. So I had been working on it. And that's why I got the offer. Mm. Uh, go, but I asked Mark to do it. And then we end up, I wanted to ask Kevin to do it. And so it ended up being a color me bad show. Okay. Um, and then we were together for a few more years. There was a lot of turbulence. It was a bad decision to make, honestly, because there was some animosity. There was some things going on that just the business kind of ruined our, our relationships. I'll just say that. Mm. And, 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 and after those shows and, 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 and things, did you feel as if you needed to separate to get yourself in the right state uh, before you could go back into focus on music and, and stuff? I had tried a few times, but honestly, and you hear these stories over and over again, you do it, but you don't really do it wholeheartedly. You're trying to make people, you know, relax a little bit. They're afraid you're spinning out of control. And so mm. you go 30 days here, however long, right? So, so I did, did it a couple of times. Um, and then I spent six months in a facility in, in uh, LA, mm. Laurel Canyon to be exact. And um, I did six months and drank, drank the day I got out. Six months I spent away from my family and hurt my daughters and my wife to get sober and then failed. Mm. I, so then you talk about depression and a lot of things because I knew that my alcohol was really causing some problems and hurting mm. a lot of people cared about and they cared about me yeah so a few years more go by with me trying to quit slipping I was a binge drinker so I'd go months without drinking but then if mm. I had a drink, drink for three or four days mm. you know what I'm saying and they were bad like going to jail bad getting into fights and, you know just nonsense that wouldn't happen if I wasn't drinking mm. after the push that made TMZ with Mark yeah um I decided to, uh, I, I wanted to get some help. And um, I was approached by someone about doing Dr. Phil. And so that was a really scary experience, but I figured, and I told my wife and she was down with me to do it. She was ready for me to put it behind me too. Mm. Um, maybe she knew that this was the time it was really gonna happen, I don't know. I've never even actually asked her that question, but um, you, uh, there was just something in me. I knew that I was never going to take another drink. I only went in for two months, two months in this place called Oceans. And I learned a lot of things that I didn't know before, things about myself, you know, eating disorders. I was a really big guy, right? Mm, and yeah. there's pictures out there where I look anorexic. It's because I was. I, I was going through a lot of things. Bulimia, like, because I, I was afraid of getting fat again, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I have had have and had a lot of issues going on that I've gotten straightened out 
and I'm in my third year of sobriety, which is a miracle. But I knew, I told my daughters and my wife, I said, if I do this, it won't happen again. Mm. And uh, I haven't. And um, I don't plan on ever taking a drink ever again. So that's part of it is I want to take my music and use it as um, a platform to maybe speak to other musicians are dying, man. They're dying. Lots of people are everywhere with COVID, but you know, musicians, there's a lot of artists out there that struggle with mental illnesses and, and things. Artists are just that way and, and afraid to ask for help. And they end up either overdosing or killing themselves. I was going to be those guys if I didn't get myself together. Yeah. It's hard to be this age and to go, wow, I wasted a lot of years. But at the same time, I have to say, God allowed me to go through these things in order to teach me and mold me into the kind of person that I was put here to be. Yeah. And I couldn't talk to people and help them if I had never been through it. So mm. um, I'm still married. My daughters just walked by me. I got teen daughters. Oh, God. <laughs> I am definitely the boss of this house (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean so my day i'm sorry i know i'm talking too much no 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 no. so so my day job i'm a a mental health therapist and uh uh, most of my patients are under 19 or do i work with adults and parents as well so so yeah dealing with you know anxiety depression PTSD, phobias, and things like that. So, a lot of what you say, it's, un, it's understandable, re- resonates that the, the, and you know, when you started off briefly talking about your um, childhood experience and those early traumas not being dealt with and just being comp- put parked aside, you know, and, and those are the types of things that, uh, and even when you made that decision not to sign with Uptown. It, it you know it was from the outside you're like wow you've lost the deal but if you when you studied it's perfect sense because that sense of loss and abandonment and it's like I've got a family here I'm not going to do what they've what's happened to me so and and I think part of why I'm we I've been doing this was so f- for the us to listen to people who have been famous and who have gone through struggles but are, have come out and almost as a way to motivate and encourage others, the rest of us saying, look, if these guys who have been in the industry, made lots of money, have struggled and come through it, it means that we all can go, go through struggles, but also come out of it. So your story is inspirational. And I know, as I said, three years and counting, and, it, and it's really uh, something that I hope our, vis- our audience are listening to and understanding that it's step by step, day, day by day and stuff and you hit it you hit it dead on that's my wife and i talk it's it's there's abandonment issues there uh pt trauma my father was murdered he was shot in in my grandmother's house um and then to go through having some violent parents um being blood flying and cops come in you know i actually at five shot a gun that was in the car i didn't even know we had a gun i thought it was a toy pow and, and uh, put a hole like right next to where my sister was. And 
I'm sad to say I wasn't thinking, oh, God, that could have killed my sister. I'm thinking, oh, God, they're going to kill me when they can get back in the car because they got out of the car for a minute. Just yeah. a lot of craziness, yeah. a lot of a lot of turmoil. And you're, you're exactly right with the family thing. I just I didn't want to mess with that. I didn't want to mess with it. Yeah, and, and so that's why, as I said, you know, I, I'm flat, you know, my hope is always that as we as people are watching, that they understand that it, 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 these struggles can happen to all of us, and you know, getting help it's the one thing. Whether you know, within our black, within the black community, we're probably the worst when it comes to seeking help, um, and and that's where we struggle more with with, with everyone struggles. But as a community, black communities across the world, whether you're in Africa, the US or, or the UK, we struggle a lot more because it seems more of a taboo to talk about. And um, or and and, and it, you, you tend to think, well, maybe I'll go to church and talk to my cousin and I'll be fine. But it's it's a very different thing when you have a non-judgmental professional who can listen to what you're saying, start to pick out areas about, well, have you dealt with this? What did that mean to you? What does that mean for you to, to you know, to, to, to feel like you, 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 you weren't loved or taken care of and, 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 and how to really get the healing, you know, and then once you've gone the healing, it's a lot easier to move forward, especially when you're dealing with PTSD. You know, once you, you, you change the narrative, it becomes easy to let go and just move forward and stuff. So uh, I appreciate, you know, That's... the honesty and, and what you've been saying. I know it's kind of heavy, but that's that's part of my story and, yeah. and those powerful things that I feel like I was allowed to go through so I could share them with people. I have a motto that's basically, uh, I guess you call it a motto. It's not the mistakes you make that determine who you are. It's what you learn from them. Yeah. And I, I hold that like, close yeah. because uh, I, I knew that if I could get sober, I could be the father and the husband that I was supposed to be all those years, but that I could also turn all of that badness into some goodness for somebody else. Yeah. And if I flip it like that, that's my reward. You know? Yeah. No, that's, By the that's... way, counseling, counseling. Yes. <laughs> I mean, as a, um, but as I said, most of, um, most of the work, I, I, cause I'm here in the UK and, and I'm, and I'm, and I've, uh, I specialize a lot with with uh, with teenage uh, with teenagers and and uh, and young parents. Pardon? Because I drank all those years, and you don't mature from the time you start. I'm pretty much uh, a teenager, yeah. so I'm I'm yeah. right there for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but 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 as I said, it 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 it's um you know with teenagers they they self harm. So you you mentioned right. drinking. Some people self harm. And 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 it it is a sense of distraction, numbing the pain, to to help to help change. You know, it's like you you've got a pain here, so you step your foot, and all of a sudden that that pain disappears there because this is this is distracting you. But then eventually that disappears, and then the pain that's comes back, and and that tends to become it. So, and when I when I treat young people or anyone who struggles with say self harm, I don't even that's not. I don't focus on that because we because if you focus on say the drinking and try and stop the drinking, well the drinking is a distraction. So let's focus on on the actual symptoms. What is it that you're trying to distract yourself from? So we focus on that, 
And once you're able to deal with that, it becomes easier to let go of, say, self-harming or the drinking or, or the destructive things that people turn to. Because if you don't deal with the underlying stuff, and unfortunately, as I said, if you just go say, let's try and get you sober and not deal with the underlying stuff, what happens is eventually it will come back. That's why I'm talking about these things the way I am, because I'm a newbie in being sober. And so it was that that got me sober, addressing those things. Yeah. Address because I'm one of those self-harm kids myself. Um, uh, yeah. And I understand it. So, and I understand taking the detour and saying, we don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on this because that's why you were doing that. Yeah. 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 My wife, man, y'all, I'm, I'm, I've heard this a lot. And, and part of that is the reason why I'm sober. So I appreciate your words too. Um, and yeah, I, I, I want to use that. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's what I'm meant to do. The music, I'm always going to be doing the music, mm. but I want to use it. I'm having to learn how to go and figure out, you know, where I could go and speak to kids or adults or, or whatever, you know, going to a facility and just telling my story and saying, look, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I could do it. I was ready to end it. And yeah. my wife, and, and she believed in me when I didn't believe in me. She loved me when I didn't love myself. Yeah. So I, how dark it can get. And if I can get sober as bad as I was, and when I say yeah. bad, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody can. You I, just I'm, have to. Yeah. No, well, yeah. And, and I tell people that, the, the, the one thing that I would say that people who struggle with is identity. So identity is as a child, when you have, you know, your, your parents that they're, they, they, they raise you with a sense of identity, who you are and raise you to be the best. When that's fractured and then you're seeking identity in a place where it's, you're not validated, you're not encouraged, you don't know who you are, then you're seeking you know, that's where you're going out and finding friends, you're finding gangs, you're finding other areas to seek some form of identity. But when you don't find it in there, you're, then you, you, you start to do this uh, very harmful, destructive things in order to say, look, I don't know who I am or, or, or whatnot. So that is, you know, when I'm working with, with kids, I'm just thinking that, wow, there's, there's the, it comes back from um, the attachment issues going, you know, and it continues. And we go straight back to that. I go straight back to what was it like when you were five and six and keep going up and rewriting, rewriting, rewriting to, to you know, taking the time to get there. Because if you don't deal with that, um, you know, you have to help them get a sense of who they are and not, yeah. and almost like, who do you want to be? So forget who you were told, which has not been helpful. Let's, let's change the narrative and let's yeah, start to believe it. What I am is a survivor. That's what I am. Yeah. You know, I made it through it and now I've got a different perspective and I'm focused on those exact things. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time in a few areas because with my mother, um, you know, I want to talk about some of these things because they matter. At least I've been taught that they matter. And just by the way I feel, still, they matter. And yeah. she won't address. She acts like those things didn't happen. She just wants to block them out. And every time she does that, it just stabs me in the heart. Yeah, but, uh, but one of the things also is there's a sense of um, guilt 
and and that's because it's not that you, you can't see but there's a sense of i could have done more but i couldn't so by by addressing it by accepting it it's it's a sense of yes i have to admit my guilt and let you down and that's not that's not easy so when i do deal when i work with kids and people and i say look you know you know i i i almost say i almost do a sort of a tree and say here's Here's your parents. Now look at what they had to deal with, what shaped them, and yeah, how yeah. how that shaped who you are. And so exactly. you almost you have to almost look at, at them with empathy. Like yeah, it's not as if they were just a bad parent who just didn't. They had no choice. You know, they had no. It wasn't something that they could control. Then we almost go back to the grandparents. How much yeah. they influenced your parents to influence you mm -hmm. and stuff. So it it is that ability to say, okay, you know what. Um, I can accept that, and 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 it's as long as I can accept myself and how I've who I am and where I'm going to go, it becomes easy to sort of let go, and you know give them the space and the timing to be able to say, I can confess that yeah I'm I messed up, but I'm not you're not going to judge me for that and and you're not going to blame me for that, but it's a challenge and a difficulty and stuff. <laughs> I know I said are you psychic because you're telling me man I'm not even kidding like we're not on talking terms right now because you know I love her I know she loves me but we just don't see eye to eye on a lot of things and there's a lot more going on than just that but um we're going through the give them space thing right now because yeah. I don't know what else to do and I want to do the right thing I don't want to hurt anybody but I also don't want to hurt myself anymore, you know? Yeah. So that's the way I've approached it with, with anyone that I've tried to make an amends with is that I am truly sorry for the things I've done that hurt people that love me and, and that I love. Um, that doesn't take those things away, but at least those people can know that you didn't mean it. You just want that to happen. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing that we can do because you can't control uh, how others... Um, deal with um, deal with forgiveness and things, but you can only control yourself. And and I've had friends who, you know, I've I've sort of hurt when I was you know at a young age, and and I when I rec was able to recognize and reflect on wow my actions, I was able to email them and say you know it's this 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 and I'm sorry and stuff, and just put it out there. And if they wanted to acknowledge it, that that was fine. But at least they can see that I've actually taken responsibility for myself. That's, yep. And That's exactly. All you can do is try. And in doing that, you're letting them know if they're open to hear it, yeah. it's out there. But if not, then it, it just is what it is. Some bridges you can't build back. You know, yeah. there's bridges that will never be, be back the way they were, I'm sure. In yeah. the business and, you know with friends and family and that sort of thing just over the years. Um, man, I, I love how you are, are, you know, you're dead on, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I appreciate this a lot. I think this is going to be an amazing interview. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, just as we could, it, it's, um, it is, it's approaching midnight here, but I just wanted to find out, yeah, and fans would always say, oh, would we ever see Brian back with, you know the guys in Colony Bad is is that as that ship sailed and it's about Brian and and your music and your stuff 
or is that something that you know who net no one knows that anything can happen for the first time in my life i can say now that i'm going to focus on fixing me and healing me and moving forward i just you know i've i've done that i've done that time and time again some of them were in guys oh man okay wow if it's a cut off No, waiting for your, your sound. Oh, oh no, the, the sound hasn't come in yet. Oh, the sound. Oh, no, I can't hear you yet. Oh. oh I can hear you, but I can't see you. Okay, I can see and hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I can see oh. and hear you. Sorry, you mentioned uh, Tony, or you mentioned All for One earlier. His, his ears must have been burning because I <laughs> Merry Christmas, and he called me, and I hung up on you while I was trying to hit stop on him. Okay, he, just, he kept he kept calling like three times. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. No, 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 it's just fine. That's why it's, it's always pre-recorded, so it, it's a lot easier stuff. Um, but yeah, so you said you you had a point where you're focused on on yourself. And then also then doing your, your own music. Yes. Um, I have been working on this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a double album. I, I have oh, a lot wow. of material. I have two more songs that I need to do. One is going to be um, Stay Together from Al Green. And the other one is going to be um, Sam Cooke's Cupid. Like, wow. I love the old school stuff, man. I'm, I think I'm an old soul. So what I'm getting at is... All of the songs that I've written through the turmoil, being with the group, not being with the group, being with the group, getting married, trying to get sober, failing, just that whole trip over all these years. I have songs that are literally diary pages. Wow. And so, um, like the single I have out now is called Because of You. He's calling me again. <laughs>
Oops. Okay. Okay. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was <laughs> okay. Tony. I actually answered and said, I'm I'm doing I'm in the middle of <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. That'll be a good one to laugh at later. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you 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 your album sort of chronicles your 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 past uh decade and, and plus. Yes, um I've written a lot of songs over the years never released them mm. um and i've got some a few new ones and like i said um, a couple more but um it's basically like i said a diary i i wrote about what i was trying to do there are literally songs where i'm i'm saying there's a girl uh uh if she only knew if she only knew is a song about you know if this girl even knew how awesome she was uh, she would leave this guy that's treating her rotten and doing things and, you know, like a song that it sounds like you're speaking to somebody else's woman. You're trying to get her to leave a bad relationship, but you're talking to your own woman, you know, wow. like those kind of things. There's one called Changes. I've made these changes for you. There's, you know, failing, failing and, and getting back up. So there's all these songs on there. And so what I want to call it is uh, Diary of a Bad Man. Bad with D's. Bad with two D's. Like, color me bad. Diary of a bad man. Okay. Like, jump, diary of a mad band. Yeah, yeah I was going to put that up. Yeah. When do you hope to, 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 to bring release it? Uh, soon. I mean, I have, because of you out, I'm still in the process of trying to find uh, some investors. There's some people in vet, that, that are interested in investing. The yeah. song and the album needs a push. Uh, and I'm, I'm still looking for that. I'm still going to put it out regardless of if that happens or not. Um, and I would say it will definitely be out in 2022. This is that year. So, so that question then becomes because when, you know, the industry has changed to where um, most people listen to music, say, on YouTube. You know, they just, you know, actually within the, the 90s, the, the people who really rocked the 90s, they listen to their music on YouTube, then you've got a, a smaller demographic that would stream on Spotify and Tidal and, and Apple and stuff. So, is and but then there's also the case where some bands are putting artists are putting out music um, almost as a way of marketing the fact that here I, I've got some stuff, but I'm going on tour and I'm going to be singing all the all the hits. That's what, what is, I'm going. That's what, what is, I'm doing. What is the, 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 the hope with it? I mean, I'm sure you want everyone to buy it, but is it generally in the sense of, okay, Brian is back you know, after a, a number of years. I've got some new music, but when I do come on tour, I'll sing some of the classic hits that you're so familiar with and some of my new stuff. Of course. I'll definitely be singing the Color Me Bad material. Um, I love and miss those days. Uh, I really do. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Everything happened for a reason. Mm. So I will continue to do those songs, but I'll do the new ones too. Um, I, I'm, I'm I, streaming is where it's at right now, I guess. Just, you know, getting your stuff out there to the masses. Here's what it is. I just want to do it right. And because this is all new to me, I'm old school. So this is, this is all new how it yeah. works. These, And if I do it, I want to like really pull it off. That's, that's basically what I'm saying. Um, if it doesn't, 
happen the way I hope it does, it will still be heard. Um, we're working on, uh, I, I just did a, a mini documentary uh, that um, is, uh, it's been recorded by Lampstand, a company here that has five, um, what are they? Lampstand, they have the five Emmys they've got for a, a docu-series called Killing Pain. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the whole opioid addiction thing. Okay, okay yeah. They, I was asked to do something uh, talking about, you know, part of my story. So my goal is the album and uh, we, we've, we're starting a nonprofit called um, Flowers in the Addict. Not addict, like upstairs, but in the addict. Mm. Oh, an um, addict, okay. Yeah. And so um, there's going to definitely be some changes. I'm always going to sing those songs. Yeah. I love singing songs and I love my fans. But now they're going to get to see the real me. Mm. I wouldn't say 100% back then. The, the, I had my happy times but I was dealing with my baggage. I was dealing with the trauma and the PTSD yeah. my entire life up till this last three years. Yeah. And so this, this is who I am. And I really do feel like that guy from high school again. And I gained the weight back too. So it's perfect. <laughs> well, you know, when, 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 when the music and, and the documentary um, are, are about to come out, if you, if, <clears throat> if you let us know so we can also give it to push and advertise and, and, and stuff just because it's a, it'd be worth everyone getting a chance to, to catch them both. Um, I know, as I mentioned, most of, most of our, of my age demographic, they tend, we tend to listen to our new music on YouTube. So maybe watch, see a, a video and stuff. So if uh, um, it's just how, you know, we, we, none of us have CD players. I don't even know how to play a CD in the house. And uh, so, we just go on YouTube and just watch and listen. <laughs> well, what about MP3s? Like, can I send you some some oh, yeah, MP3? No, yeah, no, you can send me any. Yeah, and and as I said, it's um, and if you have any visuals of, of yourselves and stuff, so I can at least people to to know that you are putting stuff up. But yeah, definitely, uh, we'll definitely push it. do some things for sure, man. I'd like to stay in touch with you for real. I, this is the best the best interview I've ever done. I really enjoyed it. It, it's helping me. I'm probably, I was all over the place. I sucked, but you were great. No, 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 goodness, no. Uh, you know, as I said, um, I, yeah, I changed careers from, a, yeah, to become a therapist because I just enjoyed talking. And and to me, this is, um, um, I interviewed Donnie Simpson from Video Soul last last week and listening to, listening to how he, you know, listening to how he used to do his interviews based on just getting to know people and yeah, as a therapist, my job is to listen and to hear what you say and, 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 and throw it back. But, um, you know, I'm it, listening to your, your journey and your recovery. It's really encouraging and stuff. And as I said, I'm, I've got uh, I'm going to see two. you know, I've got some patients I'm going to see in the morning. And, and, and it's the kind of stuff that helps me get refocus when I deal with, 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 you know, with, with people who are, are struggling with to think it's not going to work out. So when you hear your story, it's like a sense of, yeah, you know, it's, I, I know what to do. I would, I would love to send you some of the songs that are going to be on that album that I feel are counseling and speaking on those subjects. Um, it's there, there, there's some really personal 
things on there and I, I'll even send you the video to see. Do you have you heard the first single yet? Have you heard the song that's out? No, no, I haven't yet. Not yet. I'm gonna send it. It's gonna okay. blow your mind, man. Okay. Blow your mind. Okay, okay. Now, if there's one thing that I'm confident in is when I do come, the music is gonna be correct. Like I'll put my song in the same category as Adele's first single right now. Wow. Like that's the kind of song it is. Like that song's got heart that she has. And I'm like, she's releasing a ballad. Ballads aren't, ballads are on the comeback. And I've got one for you. Okay. I mean, we'll be def definitely, as it, as it comes out, we'll definitely be able to push it out. And the fact that it made a movie soundtrack, that's, that speaks volume and stuff. So, no, definitely. Um, I, I always end my interviews back to my guest that if you were stuck in an elevator and you had to watch a film before they got you out, what movie would you request? Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Tropic okay. Thunder. You got Ben Stiller, Tom Cruise, <laughs> the, Matthew McConaughey. The funniest movies I've ever seen in my wife. <laughs> she hates, can't get enough of it, man. I was just looking at little pieces on YouTube the other day. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah I Junior. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. They were brilliant. All of yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very weird film, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was Tom Cruise with those big, big arms, big hands and stuff, yeah. and he's doing his dancing as well. <laughs> and so the fantasy stuff, that's, you know, I know a lot of people want to see the real, the, the real stuff, and there's beautiful, I, I love old movies, I love Fred Astaire, um, some of those old dance movies and that, that type of thing, but I guess comedy would be what, what saves me. Yeah. I have to humor in at all or yeah. it's, it's impossible to get through so that would be why the first thing i thought was it has to be something that i would laugh to and get my mind off of this yeah i was stuck in an elevator yeah i need something funny going on <laughs> and then the final question is always what's your sort of all-time favorite song wow donny hathaway this song's for you okay song for you it's amazing <laughs> I, I would say that that's probably Donny Halfway is probably the most, um, I, I, as I said, I've done maybe 50 or, or so of these interviews, but the name that comes up the most among the male artists is Donny, Donny Halfway. Um, greatest, man. Yeah. He the greatest to me. Yeah. I mean, and, as I said, he had a sad short ending to his, to his life and his career. Yeah. 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 His soul into his music. Yeah, Him, Marvin Gaye. My, I would say Marvin Gaye and Donny Hathaway. Like when you're talking legendary, I'd say those guys. Those guys are amazing. Yeah, I mean Brian, it's been it's been great. I mean I've you know almost feel rejuvenated as a as a therapist as I as I go 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 see <laughs> <laughs> just you know just to, um and as I said, if most of my interviews are very much me listening and and so I've, I I've, this is probably the first time I've actually um got involved in the interview normally i just listen to the stories and stuff so i appreciate the fact that you gave me the space to be able to contribute because normally um i i, I listen and, and and ask the questions um not it's just, I've, I've never had to contribute in an interview before so that's uh that's this is, this is the first but as i said it was really powerful hearing your stories and your journey and i just felt 
to 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 join in and, and stuff. So um, I'm glad you amazing. I actually was worried because I felt like I spoke over you through the entire interview. <laughs> I felt like I was talking. Yeah, well, that's the whole point because it's called Halftime Chat and with, with Brian Abrams and, and it's about listening to you and, and stuff. But as I said, um, it's you've given us some... Amazing, man. Yeah. What you... Input is what took what I was saying and like, because you were dead on about everything. Like, you're good. I, I, I can tell. And I'm going to be calling you like, hey, man, can I, can I get a session? <laughs> Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel. But most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come. But thanks a lot for watching. Thank you.